Beautiful, beautiful evening. Uh, I thought about it in the morning. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I greet you in the name of the one who created those stars that we were able to witness. Um, just an evidence of his gift, yet one more gift that he gave to each one of us um, in the beauty of his creation. Um, interesting text here for us. Um, Angie, thank you for your uh, ministry to our hearts and an appropriate song in light of the subject and the text that we're looking at this morning, what I call the good, the bad, and the beautiful. Uh, we'll read verses 13 through 17 in just a moment. First, we'll bow our heads and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come before you, we are grateful for the cross. We're grateful, Lord, for the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ over our sins. We, we thank you, Lord, that we look all around us and we see evidence of who you are, the beauty of your design, the evidence of your sovereignty. Father, I, I thank you for this day and these few moments that we have uh, together this morning as we uh, literally dig into your word. And Lord, the delight is, is that it's not just a, a man that's, that's speaking, Lord, but, but your words to us live and endure forever. God, I would ask that you would give uh, me um, an acute awareness and understanding that you would guard my lips and my mouth, that Lord, that what takes place here would be for your glory. Thank you for each person that is here and, and the circumstances, Lord, that have brought them to this place to hear this, these words. Uh, nurture and guide and strengthen and encourage. I pray, Lord, for our community. Uh, I pray, Lord, for many that are lost. I pray, Lord, for brothers uh, in our community that are standing in pulpits this very morning and are pre preaching and proclaiming the gospel. Equip them and empower them uniquely. Father, I would ask that you would guard our body here, this little flock, that you would direct us into your paths with your truth. May we be obedient, and as we have been mindful throughout this entire study, may we be submissive to your will. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, we have noticed, as we've been doing this um, study in First Peter, Take a stand in Christ, on Christ, and for Christ. There, there's a lot of imperatives here. There's a lot of instruction here. There's a lot of application here. There's a lot of do this and don't do this. And I don't know if you pick up on it or not, but you step back and, and you begin to say, this is really, really hard for us. Think of it. We are called, we are called to, to holy living in an unholy world. We are called to godly living frankly, and to be honest, in a very ungodly world. We're called to submissive living in an unsubmissive or a non-submissive world. And you know, and I know, that in and of our, ourselves, our flesh, that's really hard. It's, it's almost unnatural for us at times. You'll, you'll very quickly look around and realize that you don't really belong here. You don't fit here. Peter, the author, knows that. Now, I believe at times... He actually felt that, and that's why he gives these words for us today, this text. As I draw your attention to verse um, 13, we'll read down through verse 17 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Listen very carefully. 
God's word to our hearts this morning. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Peter understands we live a certain way. Guess what? Questions will be asked toward you. Uh, There will be heat from those around you that will be applied to your life. Pressure will be felt. People will stare at you. They will know that something is different about your life, the direction that you're heading. They will even at times sneer or ridicule. And in some cases, they will seek to wreck. But there's one big idea. We direct your attention to verse 15. There always seems to be a theme that, that, that works its way through the text. And it's found in verse 15. Always, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Just, just notice a couple things very quickly. Always being, okay? This is not the Boy Scouts. The be prepared, No. Okay, we are in the process of being prepared. That's why you don't show up to church once and then you're good to go. It's not why you read your Bible one time. Okay, I am now prepared. No, there's a constant being prepared. You are always being prepared. It is a constant sense of awareness around you and readiness. It means to be set. It means to be equipped, organized, primed, willing, Able. And then it says, make a defense. This is to give the clear, best, intelligent, I would say articulate, as best as you can, defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a basic awareness of what the gospel is. There is a holy, creative God. There is sinful men. There is a broken relationship because of our sin. And there is only one way to have restoration and reconciliation and redemption. And that is through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be able to understand and articulate the defense of the gospel. Understand that some people will be able to do this better than others. And that's okay. You do the best that you can. It says you give a defense what, of the hope that exists in the believer. This implies, this implies what? They will see it. Which means, A, hope is always visible in a person's life. Remember that. If you live through life with hope, it is visible. And they will ask you about it, which means what? Not only is hope visible, hope is very powerful. You're ready to give an answer? Make a defense of the hope that is in you. 
It is what? It's not something out there I, I eventually... No, it, it abides, it dwells within you. And we do this with gentleness and respect. A constant awareness, a constant concern for those that are around you. So there's the, there's the big idea. The question is, well, how do we do this? How, how do we go about life making sure that we are always prepared to make a defense of the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect? Here it is, three things. Number one, be zealous for good. We see this right at the beginning, verses 13 and 14. Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Even if you suffer, you will be blessed. Number one, be zealous for good. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but there's, there's still babies being born in Big Woods. And we are so blessed. A couple weeks ago, little Eden Grace Gall, um, Mark and Erica's uh, first daughter after three little boys, is a blessing to, to them as a family and to us as a church. This week, and he's actually officially with us, um, he's in the back room, we welcome Nathaniel Broderick Best. Okay, he's what, maybe a week old already? Mom and dad have brought him to church. Think about this. We have new little babies. We also have, and they stood up here last week, a whole bunch of graduating seniors from high school. Some of them are here today. We're from college. What do we do with these new little ones? What do we do with these graduating seniors? We love you, and eventually we kind of, Push them out the door at some point with great care and with great love. But we push them into a world that is what? Look around. Into this world that is filled. Okay? It's like here with trouble all over the place. Now, we have to be careful because we listen to some of the news and, and there, is, there is around every corner... There is some cataclysmic disaster that is about to happen. Now, that's the world that we live in. There's an asteroid that's going to pass by. Or there's something, a meteor that's going to crash into us. At any moment, it's all going to be over. And we kind of live with this regularly. But in addition to that, there is what? Look around, and there are floods and fires, and there are earthquakes, and there are tornadoes, and there's crime that exists. There's terrorism that's on the rise. That's our world. And then you flip on a, a let, let's relax and watch a movie together as a family. And every movie almost has a theme where it's an end of the world apocalyptic scenario. Well, isn't this refreshing? Don't we feel so encouraged together? Everything's coming to like a quick, abrupt end. There's no doubt there's trouble, but the world almost magnifies, multiplies that, and this is the world that we're called to live in. What's interesting as well is that there's a lot of references today about you guys, about me. You know, Christians actually today, believe it or not, they're getting a lot of press time. You hear this regularly. And what? It's not always very positive. It's not very pleasant not very pretty. We realize that the system of this world that's around us is coming directly at us. I'm not trying to 
to, to cause problems. I'm looking at reality. The world system comes against Christians with a fierceness. It can be hostile at times and trouble abounds. Now, first and foremost, we have to understand what is Scripture talking about? This is, this is nothing new. I, I sat around uh, just yesterday afternoon or early evening with some people, and there was a little bonfire, a little campfire. And, and you, you watch the crackling of fire, and what happens? There's sparks, and, and the sparks fly upwards. What, what does Job say in Scripture? Job says this, and I quote in Job chapter 5, verse 7, Man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upwards. As normal and natural as it is for a spark to kind of work its way up, trouble is everywhere. It abounds. David cried out to God, Be not far from me, for trouble is near. Psalm chapter 22 and verse 11. Isaiah wrote this, Look to the earth and behold distress and darkness and gloom and anguish. Isaiah gives what? 600 years before the time of Christ, 2,600 years ago. From, Isaiah gives a pretty accurate description of what it's like when you flip on the television or receive a newspaper. However, we understand that this trouble, this world, is not apart from God's knowledge. Now, it does seem, and I'm sure that every single one of us have asked the question, why is it that at times God seems strangely silent? There's trouble all over. There's horrific abuses that takes place and, and assaults and attacks. Why is it that God's just silent? Why doesn't he just strike them down, the horrible acts of terrorism? Why doesn't he just eliminate them? Wait a minute. Last night we saw the stars that were created. The one who created those stars are the ones that we greet you in this morning. And the one who wrote this book and the one who is in full, complete control and awareness even of the trouble. God actually wants something. God expects something from the trouble that happens around us. What is that? God in his sovereign plan expects something. We know that, that James writes this, count it all joy. When you suffer what? Trials. When you suffer trouble. Count it joy. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces, and here it is, what lacks, what lacks in your life and my life today. What lacks in the church of Jesus Christ today. Steadfastness. We understand that Peter writes as well the same words in verse 14. If you suffer, if you suffer, you will be blessed. I was thinking about this. Peter, who wrote those words, if you suffer, somehow, somehow we don't understand that God who sees all, knows all, he's going to turn that circumstance around and you personally will be blessed. I thought about it. Peter was sitting in the upper room. When Jesus Christ spoke these words in John chapter 15, they, they hated me, and they will hate you too. Peter was right there. When Jesus said, they persecuted me, and they're going to persecute you. Peter 
was right there with the rest of the disciples when Jesus continued on in John chapter 16. In the world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have trouble. Get used to it. Write it on the wall. Don't forget that. But hold on to the promise. Jesus says what in John chapter 16 and verse 33? But take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, in the middle of all of that, in the middle of that, this practical instruction for us. How do we share hope? How do we show this hope of the gospel that exists in the middle of this? Well, Peter's a step ahead of you. He says this, be zealous. Zealous is, is a word, we don't use it much today. It's not that popular, it's not that familiar even of a term. To be zealous means to be a zealot. Well, that doesn't really help a whole lot. If you look up the word zealot, it actually is defined as one who is fanatical and uncompromising. Now, we hear that originally, we're like, oh, that's not me. But wait a minute. You're to be fanatical about that which is good. You're to be uncompromising about that which is good. Another translation says you're to be passionate about goodness. Passionate. We love passion. You don't just cut into a steak and say, this is a really good piece of meat. No, 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 no. You don't eat it like that. You cut it slowly along the grain. And then you, you notice the coloration of it. It's perfectly pink in the middle. And then you place it in your mouth and you just pause. And I close my eyes because it tastes better that way. And you just savor it. And we're passionate about things that we love. And God says you're to be passionate about that which is good. Well, that's good. We to, no, that's not the way that we move and maneuver our way through this world. Not, not like that. Why is Peter important? Why is Peter stressing this? People have a hard time hurting those who do good. Do you realize that? It's actually unusual for folks who are hostile to mistreat people who are doing good. The world is going to be slower to hurt people who are benefit to, the, to society. The world is going to be slower to hurt you if you are a blessing, if you're helpful and kind and compassionate and caring. A good life, think about this, a good life is hard to harm. And so what? Don't get bitter. Don't, don't get angry. Don't get defensive. Don't cry. This is so unfair that, that your freedoms have been infringed upon, that your freedoms decrease, that your taxes increase. Just keep doing good. Don't let others' hostility cause you to be hostile. We have this repeated as a theme throughout the book of 1 Peter. Chapter 2, Christ suffered, he left you an example. When reviled, he did not revile in return. Chapter 3, it says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But what? But, but be gracious and patient and kind. Hold tight.
to the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew in chapter 5 and verse 10. Blessed, blessed, the word is makarios. Happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Something deep within abides a hope of that kingdom. And that is what is in store. Number one, be zealous for good. Number two, be ready for bad. Be ready. Earlier we talked about the fact that we are what? It says, who is there to harm you? You know what I call that? I call that being cool, calm, and collected. Years ago, I think that's old today. Like that's so uncool. Okay, the three C's. used to say, well, he's cool, he's calm, and he's collected. You maneuver your way through life with an understanding. Who who is there that's going to hurt me? There's a key bit of evidence that can prepare you for this, for the fact that bad things will happen. Now, please understand, please understand when I use the term bad things, I am not suggesting that God cannot take something that is bad and turn it into something that is good. Romans chapter 8, all things work together for good. Genesis, is it 25 or 45? What man meant for evil, God actually meant it for good. Okay, speaking of Joseph and the circumstances there. So God, God, God loves to take bad things and turn them around. I'm not saying it's something bad that God said, well, oh no, this is, this is really horrible that's happening. He is fully aware. And he, he specializes in this. I'm just simply saying what, in reality... When there is an attack, when there is an assault, guess what? It's a bad thing. That's, that's not part of God's ideal plan, but he has allowed that to happen. And in the midst of this, it says what? Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Now, basically, it translates, don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Don't be upset. Don't be distraught. Don't be anxious. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And if you return to the top, who is there to harm you? If you're zealous for good, even if you suffer, you will be blessed. Now, what I have found is that it's an easy thing. It's one thing to say the words, don't be afraid. It's another thing entirely different to not be afraid. You know the difference? God has created us. With, with an emotion, it's actually a mechanism that we respond to. Being afraid is fear, and God, in a sense, hardwires us that there is this surge of adrenaline that rushes through our body, and we become acutely aware. All of our senses become heightened. Okay? It's that fight-or-flight response. God has actually caused us and created us to, to when there's a sense of fear, we respond to it. But the problem is this, is that if, if it's left there, it creates a sense of anxiety and tension and worry. It results in high blood pressure. It literally results in heart disease. This is what Peter is warning against. Don't just live in a constant state of fear. We can't live with, I don't know what's around the turn. I don't know what's tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. Remember the, um, you know what a fainting goat is? 
you know, and, and, and if you kind of turn around the corner of the barn and see the thank you goat, and, and you, you startle it, it like falls over, and his legs pop up, it, it, it literally faints, and it just, and that's a mechanism that, in a sense, what, it's going to keep people, I guess I'm not going to bother that because it's dead already. That's what happens. That's sadly what happens to a lot of Christians. We can get paralyzed by fear. A circumstance. We read something news and we just let, that's it, we're done, I'm out. I can't go anywhere, can't do that. We have people that aren't going to go on a mission trip because I can't go on a plane. I just don't like those little capsules and there's nothing below you when you're up there. And they're, they're frozen in fear. Who wins in that? Well, according to what it says here, that we're not to be, have no fear. Don't be afraid. In the midst of all of this, understand there is an authority. There is a greater authority. The final authority is and always will be the truth of this word right here. God understands. He sees every little circumstance, everything that, and I can, I can close my eyes and I can come up with a list. I can create in my mind things to be worried about. I can have whole scenarios and none of them are true. I appreciate one of my sisters in the Lord who remind me, is that true? It says whatever's true. Think on those things. And immediately we alleviate a lot of what we're creating. I think of this long list of people who are courageous. Standing in the word of God, Moses stands before Pharaoh. Gideon going into battle. David facing a giant. Daniel refusing to be obedient, to stop praying. Stephen, at the moment he's being stoned. Paul, when he's persecuted. The list is long. Enter that list. You and I. I was reading an interesting article, a study that was done by Stephen Stephen Southwick from Yale School of Medicine just recently in Time Magazine talked about resilience. Why is it that some people are, are more resilient than others? Why is it that some people face tra- trauma or traumatic circumstances and they seem to bounce right back? A common denominator with all the study, those people that were prepared, that were ready, they weren't living in fear, but they were ready, they knew how they were going to respond, are the ones who are more resilient. <clears throat> You know that, that my wife and I have been called to minister in central Pennsylvania. I, I would say a little slice of heaven real, right here. Hard, difficult times, but we have it a whole lot easier than others who are called into more difficult areas. One of them, we understand the importance of holding on to the truth of Scripture. We're not going to make it. This rarely happens where we're going we're to have to pause this because there's too much here as we are to focus on the beautiful. There's an element, and we're going to return to this just for the sake of time. Forgive me, but, but what we have to hold on to is this. Okay, God has called us to live, forgive me, while we're lives at an amazingly, amazingly interesting time. What we have to understand first and foremost is that we have to live completely different from the rest of the world. Be zealous, be passionate about that which is good. Be ready, be expectant, and prepared for that which is bad. And we'll get to this idea that we are to focus exclusively on the only one 
who is beautiful, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll examine that, but until that moment where we hold on to the focus of staring longingly, longingly at the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's accomplished for us on the cross, and that empowers us and that fuels us to be passionate for that which is, to be zealous for that which is good, and to be ready for that which is bad. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your love and your grace. God, I thank you for the message that is given to us this morning that allows us to to look at you and to surrender all of our lives to you. Every piece, every minute, every moment. God, I would ask that you would renew in us, quicken us, awaken us, empower us, through your spirit and through the truth of your word to offer our lives entirely to you. And may we trust and rest in the hope that is offered through Christ. We ask this in his name.